Delighted to welcome to the podcast the current CEO of the W Sports and Media Talent Agency, Steve Baldus. Welcome hey, Candy, to the how ATP are you? podcast. Hello, how are you? So it's been a long time. Um, you were a standout at the University of Georgia tennis. I was not a standout for the University of Tennessee tennis, uh, but uh, we met, I think, about 25 years ago. Do you remember yes, that? It was. It's about 25 years, and it's <laughs> been lovely to reconnect. <laughs> and you were a very good junior. You won the Wimbledon Boys Junior doubles. Yes. Do you have 19, good memories of that time? Yeah, it was 1992 and well, last year was the 30 year anniversary and I was back at Wimbledon working and it was interesting. I'd never seen my name on the honour board. I'd always had people um, send me pictures and let me know they'd seen the honour board and it was the first time I'd come back in 30 years and I got to see it and it was an emotional moment. So yeah, I mean, Wimbledon's just a special place and um, to have played there and won the junior Wimbledon doubles was just, yeah, it was a special memory. Now, uh, what I remember about you, apart from the fact that you dated my roommate, <laughs> um, was that you were very, very good friends with John Roddick, yes. Andy Roddick's older brother. Yes. Um, what do you remember about John at the University of Georgia, and do you still stay in touch with him? Well, John's one of my best friends, and we still communicate on a weekly basis. Whenever George is playing football, um, we probably communicate... 10 times a game, 20 times a game. Um, but John and I uh, lived together for five years. I was uh, the best man his, his first wedding. He's been, since been he's since remarried. But uh, John's a great guy. He was an awesome competitor at Georgia. Uh, was the most intense player I think I've ever seen on the tennis court. And uh, was just a really fun doubles player to play with. So John and I played together in our senior year. And we were um, ranked number one in the country all the way through our senior year till right at the end to the NCAAs to the team that replaced us the number one doubles team in the country which was Mike and Bob Bryan oh no so if I'm going to get we're going to get replaced <laughs> it's not a bad pair to replace us as, as the number one team did you realise at that point they were going to be as good as they were they were both freshmen um, and just fantastic you know wonderful talents were um, you know, you could just tell they were special. Mm. And, um, yeah, but they were still raw. Um, and probably about six months into that, um, into the year, they really came into their own. Bob won the uh, singles at the NCAAs. He won the doubles at the NCAAs and won the team's event as well. So he won the Triple Crown and, uh, and then, obviously, they went on to be the greatest team of all time. So not bad then? Not no, bad. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> we actually, and we did play them in the final of the team's event. Mm. And John served for the match, drop serve, and then the match was called. So he didn't actually finish the match because they had um, Stanford won on the other two doubles matches. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it, that era was such a strong era. Yeah. And uh, Goldstein also played in the Stanford team that year and um, Gimmelstob played in that that year as well. So, yeah, it was really strong. The University of Georgia as well has been very, very strong. Of course, the big standout player from there is John Isner. Yep. Why did you pick, coming from Adelaide, the University of Georgia? Well, I was playing some futures events at the time, satellites they were called then, and Al Parker and Wade Maguire mm -hmm. were on the circuit at that time. Um, Al was just probably the best junior ever to play in the USTA, and, and Wade was also a very good pro. And I was uh, just finished my year of juniors. I was had, was playing my first year on the senior tour, and um, I was playing and, and thought that college would be a good sort of um, uh, almost an intermediary, yeah, like mm. a good path for me. And and 
So I was in the US playing these tournaments and was just asking around to different players that played at, at university and talked to Wade now and they said, Steve, stop right here. There's only one school you need to think about and that's the uh, University of Georgia and uh, the rest is history. So I actually called up Coach Diaz out of the blue. He didn't know uh, who I was and said, Coach, I want to come to Georgia. Let's make it happen. And then I was enrolled and went to school. That was Manny Diaz, who was very much behind John Isner, wasn't it, as well? Absolutely. And John's become a very good friend, as all the um, alumni are mm. with the Georgia tennis team. And uh, we watched the national championship game last year in Adelaide. Uh, Georgia won the first time they won uh, the, the national championships since the 80s. And uh, John's the most intense um, football fan you've ever seen. And, and being, you know, six foot eleven or whatever he is, he was high-fiving me during the game and physically hurting me. So I, I actually had to move John away and say, you sit over there and, and watch the game. But, um, you know, John's been a fantastic player on the tour and always speaks highly of Georgia. And, and um, yeah, so I love John. So after you finished your uh, and graduated from Georgia, was there any thought about going and playing more professionally? No, I, I'd, I was happy with my career at that stage and, and I studied business at Georgia and, and graduated with honours and um, had a, a high uh, GPA and actually between my f uh, junior and senior years did an internship with a Wall Street firm um, just because I had an eye for wanting to get into business after school and so when I graduated there was a job waiting for me in New York um, and went into business. So, uh, no, my, my time at Georgia was great, um, had success, but really wanted a new challenge at the end of that. And how long did you stay in the U.S. after that? I lived in the U.S. in total for uh, 14 years, 13 or 14 years, um, and then moved back in 2006. My parents were not well, and it was a family decision to come back um, and... I've been here ever since. And then when did you start your talent agency? And yeah, how did well, that come apart? Um, well, W Sports and Media is the company that I run. And uh, we've, I've, uh, the company was in existence when I came on board, but I came on as a CEO 18 months ago. So the founders of the business had grown the business to a point where they needed someone to come in and um, uh, run the business. It was becoming too big. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Winter, uh, who's the W and W Sports, he has a very successful law firm um, with 40 or so lawyers that work for him. And, and it was just becoming too much to provide the level of service that the clients needed and the attention to the actual running of the business. And I've known Gary for a long time. Um, and... Uh, when he started the business, I was the CEO of Tennis SA, which is one of the uh, state bodies in Australia, and uh, helped him sort of understand what to do and how to go about it. And um, so I've always stayed in touch with Gary. And then when the opportunity to come on as the CEO, when Gary um, tapped me on the shoulder, I was just um, so pumped. It's been a fantastic 18 months. Um, so let's talk about the clients you've uh, introduced. Who was the first one that you brought on board? Well, the first one that, that W Sports brought on board was Leighton Hewitt. So it's a pretty good first client yeah, to have. Yeah, a nice and one. Yeah, so um, Leighton came on board when the, 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 he was the, the founding client and has been with us ever since. Uh, and um, How yeah. was the connection made at first? How did you get uh, Leighton Hewitt on board? Obviously, he's been a number one in the world. He's won Wimbledon. Well, Gary was doing the legal work for Leighton at the time. 
and uh, Gary is, is such a, a fantastic uh, lawyer, but he's also an even better person and um, was doing a lot more for Leighton than just his legal work, advising him, really um, giving him very generous counsel in, in sort of other areas of life. And uh, Leighton said, well, Gary, you're doing all these things for me. Why don't you come on and formally represent me? And uh, it's been a fantastic relationship for, for Leighton and W Sports since then. And then, uh, obviously, having Leighton Hewitt on board is a, a major claim because I suppose it snowballs, doesn't it, if uh, Leighton Hewitt says, well, I'm working with Steve and Gary, and then someone else thinks, well, well I'm actually looking for that kind of uh, help as well. Is that how it's worked? Yeah, I mean, word of mouth is critical in this business, and, and um, we've been very fortunate, obviously, starting with someone as you know, held in such high esteem as Leighton, that that then gives a lot of credibility. And um, Gary... Uh, up to 18 months ago, did a fantastic job of bringing on very A-list clients. And um, and that gave me a really great platform to grow the business. So with you know with someone running it, giving it full attention, um, we've probably doubled in the last 18 months. Um, and that really comes down to, uh, yeah, the, the, the quality of the service and the way in which our clients talk about us. Uh, one of the... Um, classic examples I use when I talk about how has the, the company grown. Uh, AFL is Australian Rules Football. We have a really strong presence in AFL. And we brought on uh, one of the star players in the AFL, a guy named Charlie Dixon, who is a just a superstar. And when we brought Charlie on, we said to him, What's, what is stressing you out? And he had a block of land which he was subdividing to sell off in order to purchase some other property and there were some issues around the boundary alignment and so forth and so we came in with our law firm and just sorted it out and then there were some other things that he wanted us to help him with the social media and he had a passion for cars and so everything we were helping him with had nothing to do with football it was about life and um charlie's a you know he's six foot six he's got a big beard lots of tattoos pretty intimidating guy but he's very influential in the locker room mm. first day of training camp comes in and says to the playing group i've i'm off season i've changed management best decision i've made you know these guys are fantastic and then we ended up signing the captain of the team and one of the other star forwards on the team so when you have your clients coming in and saying you know these guys are great you should work with them it makes our job very easy. That's a good life lesson, I think, isn't it? That you've taken a player who's a, a very good at what he does or what she does, and you've taken all the extra stuff away from them. You've made their life a lot less complicated yep. so that when they go and do their art or craft, whatever it is, they can purely com just concentrate on that. Absolutely. And, and tennis is exactly the same. So, you know, we've been working now with Jason Kubler, who um, is, uh, you know, he's one of the fan favourites here mm -hmm. in Melbourne, just a ripping fellow and and um we started working with jason and then he had his run at wimbledon last year where he made the fourth round and you know my goal was simply to keep him in a space with his coach jared bunt that he could just focus on his tennis try and strip away all the stresses and um and then he you know went on to make the fourth round and you know um jason's had a fantastic last 12 months he's won around each of the grand slams and he's destined to have a, a fantastic year in 2023. Tell us a bit more about Jason Kubler because it's an interesting uh, sort of a late charge, isn't it, after all the injuries he's had? Yeah, I mean, he's 
He's now much more aware of his body. He understands what he needs to do in order to stay healthy. And the last 18 months, he's stayed injury-free, and you've seen the talent come through. You know, he is just rock solid at the baseline. Um, he can go all day. Um, he's a great competitor. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic when you see the perseverance of a player who just never gives up, even in the face of such adversity, and you can just really support someone like that. You really want to, you know, uh, root for them because um, they haven't had it easy. And there's no more humble, lovely person than Jason on the tour, and, and it's just it's great to see him succeed. I suppose with your background in tennis, you can actually advise him as to who he needs to work with, perhaps what he not needs to stop doing, what he needs to start doing, and that really helps coming from a tennis background, I presume. It, it does. I mean, it, it's a it's a little it's interesting. I when we started working with Storm, and I said you know about my tennis career, and I realised that she wasn't born when I played at Wimbledon <laughs> and I thought gee I'm getting older but um, I'm sure she appreciated it yeah it, it is but you know, my role is is just to understand what I'm there to do and um, he's got a you know someone like Jason he's got a great coach he's got a great support network so if players ask I'm happy to give my advice but uh, it's not my role to get involved and meddle but um, it does help to have a tennis background you know you can speak the same language you understand you have the same experiences you can relate to what's going on so um yeah I, th I think it's been helpful if any of your players are looking for a new coach or a new physio new s and c do you help them with that and try and find the right match yeah we do um jamie foolis uh made the finals of the um uh, the mixed doubles at the australian open last year and at this time was looking at um really investing in herself looking at um what she needed to do to go to the next level and um Dayan Petrovic who's she's still working with now uh he and I knew each other from our tennis days and um he was you know he's one of the most successful coaches on the tour he's worked with a bunch of players he's taken to the top 100 he coached Novak for a while and um and introduced them sort of helped connect them and she's had a career year this year so um yeah it, you know when, when it's needed I'll you know, give my thoughts and and often, you know, uh, with Alex Fukic was involved in, you know, structuring a, a contract with his coach and so forth like that. But um, the, the players, they're in charge mm. and they know what they want. And they, um, if they come to me and ask my thoughts on something, I'll, I'll give it. But um, again, it's not for me to, to sort of overstep what my role is. Sure. Um, now, we've mentioned quite a few of Australian players and also you look after the Savills, uh, Luke and Daria Saville, but you have Dan Evans on your books as well. So you've moved into the British tennis market as well. How did that collaboration come? We Well, it, it started at Wimbledon last year and um, Jason Kubler played Dan in the first round and um, Jason had come through qualifying. Dan was a, a high seed and um, no one really gave Jason much of a chance in that match, played on a show court. And um, Dan was was playing, and and in uh, I forget the, the name of the court or what court it was, but the player boxes are really close together. And Leighton was sitting next to Gary and myself in Jason's box, and and um, Dan noticed that um, uh, Leighton was in the box and um, sort of looking at Leighton during the match and trying to get himself all fired up. So and then he started noticing Gary and myself next to Leighton, <laughs> and uh, Jason won the match and played 
probably one of the best matches he's played all year. And, and Dan's a magnificent player and very tough on grass. So it was a great win. And um, then that night, uh, we were out in the Wimbledon Village and, and Dan was out and, and um, noticed us and we started talking and uh, just started talking about what we do and, and what we've done with, with Leighton and he really admired Leighton, um, his career and the way he competed. So, um, yeah, we, we just struck up a conversation and a friendship and kept in touch and then we went to the US Open connected with Dan once again and uh, yeah again we've we've got the best clients like we really do and Dan's just he's such a, a friendly guy he's intense on the court but he's um, you know he's really respectful very um, easy to to work with and um, yeah it's been a lot of fun we feel very honored to work with Dan and and um, so yeah it's been a, a new sort of direction for us. So when you first sign a client, what is the first order of business? Is it to sort of find out what they're looking for, how you can help them, etc.? Every client is different. Um, you know, it's, it's just, there's no one size fits all. So I think it really just starts with what they need in order to be their best. You know, so it's it, really for us, a lot of the questions are around, well, what, what would you like us to think about or do for you um and everyone's different Mm. you know some will want us to work on you know they might be having a a clothing deal that's coming to an end and work on that others it's just around giving them some support maybe it's some legal work they need done so everyone's different um and we just take the time to get to know who they are i mean we're boutique so it's not we're not a a company that has you know 150 employees so we can be very bespoke about what we do um, and really fit whatever the client needs to what you know what we can do for them to what they need we're seeing um, quite a bit of, big of the uh, clothing manufacturers pull out of tennis or really sort of turn the focus on one or two particular athletes how in this current climate do you work it and find really good deals for your people again it's it's really understanding what their personal brand is so you know there are certain players that um, are fiery on the court other ones that are more reserved um, you know often they're where they're, they're you know what country they're from will dictate um, so everyone's different um, you know the ideal is is um, with a young player to build a long relationship with the clothing brand but um, you know it's also just about um, being uh, around and, and you know sort of uh, polite, nice, you know, keeping in touch with with brands and um, and always letting them know when when you've got players available and what's going on. So, I think there's no different uh, between what I did before coming back into sport in the business world, in the finance world, as here that the product's the same. Mm. It's around understanding your market, understanding what your client is, what they need, matching it appropriately. Uh, and yeah, so it's, uh, you know, and these things are cyclical too, you know, that, um, you know, there's a, at the moment it is what it is, but in two or three years it might change. So, um, we'll just have to see what, how it goes. Um, is it hard sometimes to keep expectations low, especially with the younger players who have a bright future ahead of them and they may think the world's their oyster and everyone's going to love them and come to them. Do you have to sort of, uh, just bring their hopes in a little bit sometimes um yeah and i mean it does happen you know i mean it's coming from the juniors to the seniors is a big often it can be a bit of a shock uh because um you know when i was playing at the junior grand slams you know you're treated 
like royalty, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're on court 18 at a futures event in some faraway land and, and you you know, there's no umpires and, and you're just fighting for your life. So th- that transition can be challenging. Um, but, you know, as I said, we're fortunate. We've got fantastic clients that are um, great to, to work with. We don't have any divas or, or, or people that are difficult to deal with. I mean, we've been fortunate in that regard. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's around really just being there to provide that sort of steady hand you know there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs people will win matches and they'll lose matches it's not letting the highs get too high and the Mm. lows get too low and and believing in the client too you know that it's not a you know it's not what happens over one week we're going to talk about 10 years and you know what where we believe the client will get to it's not going to be a straight line it's going to be a real jagged line and and um and never losing faith in what they are you know as a as a person as a player um and just being there to guide them along the way we've named some really established players what about uh, the young ones are you always keeping an eye out to see who the next talent is and I mean I've been and watched Le Petit in Tarbes and almost everybody there it's an under 14 uh, world championship unofficially but everybody there especially at the top level already has agents and managements in place so how do you combat that? Yeah I mean our business is is, um, a bit broader than just tennis so um, we have a number of different sports we're also involved in in media Mm -hmm. Um, so Leighton we would consider as a media client even though he's you know Hall of Fame tennis player we also look after a few musicians so we, we do have a bit of a broad business um, we do keep an eye on what the junior ranks are doing um, and um, but we've we've sort of built a reputation and um, a, a niche in the market to work with more established players that need that higher level of um, sort of understanding that transition from being a player to post-career as well. And, you know, we, we did that with, obviously Leighton didn't need any help, but a lot of what we talked to Leighton about was getting him ready for his life after tennis. Um, you know, and, and all of our current players are, um, are still on the tour, but, you know, a few of them are coming to us and saying, well, you know, what, what's next? And, and we're really uniquely positioned. We do a lot of work in the media. We do a lot of work uh, in the business world to help them with that transition. So it is a bit of a mix of young and older. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I said, we've, we've sort of built that reputation as being, you know, with, with the players in their mid-20s that maybe have another five to seven years but know that they need to maximise this time and then set themselves up because their careers will come to an end at, at some point, even though people like, you know, Roger and Rafa and Novak <laughs> play forever. But, um, you know, there's only a few of them. Yeah. Um, what would you say uh, is the hardest part of your job? What's the easiest part? The... They're both the same, I think, in that I love my job, you know, and um, I, I love sort of everything about what I do. I love the relationships I build with my clients. I love the relationships you build with the commercial partnerships, you know, and, and so the, the best part is just coming into work. And when I left the, the, the so I say, the business world, um, when I went back into sport, um, the reason I did that was I used to go to bed at night on a Sunday night and I used to think about getting through the week to the weekend and I didn't want to live my life where I was wasting years just getting by to live for the weekends and I wanted a job that I was 
100% emotionally invested in and, and loved it. So, and I've got that now. You know, I, I, I don't think of it work. Everything's just blends together, you know. And that's the hardest part as well because, you know, I have a family. Um, I have, a you know, two beautiful kids, a beautiful wife. And, you know, making sure that I don't become too focused on my career. So I think they're both related. I could work you know, 20 hour days, right? And and I'd love it. But, you know, then that's, you know, my, my daughter's 10 and my son's seven, Sophia and Harry, and, and you know, they grow up quickly. So mm-hmm. just making sure I don't neglect that. And uh, what about your wife? Because I think that's the tricky part. I'm sort of on the other side. I could work 20 hours a week, but I have to be conscious that my husband probably wouldn't like that, nor would my kids. So I do completely understand that. How do you find the balance? Well, she's very supportive, but she also reminds me that it's not easy (laughs) doing it on her own when I'm traveling and and, you know Wimbledon was an interesting one last year because Jason kept winning and winning and winning and and I had to extend my my stay which I loved but um, you know that was uh, you know it was not easy on her when you know she's trying to get you know take kids to school and pick them up and do all those things so and I'm I'm pretty hands-on when I'm home uh, so that I had to extend and that was a challenge for her. But, you know, Gary is a fantastic boss and made sure she got a little special thank you um, to recognise that <laughs> I couldn't do what I do without her support. Um, oh, a little bit off subject, but uh, what does the future hold for you, do you think? Well, I think, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we've got ambitions to, to grow the firm, to, to, to grow the company. Uh, we've got great momentum. We've got fantastic clients. So, you know, it'd be great to sit here in five years and, and you know, have a, the company be twice the size and, and whatnot. But it may not. You know, it, it, it's it's not about the size. It's really about the quality. And, um, and you know, I just never want to lose the passion for what I'm doing. I think I'm in a space now where... Um, I'm, I'm really happy and content. I enjoy the people I work with. Um, I've focused on, on what we're trying to build. And, and, you know, seeing our talent make the most of, of their lives. You know, um, we spoke off, off the air about Storm, you know, Storm um, Hunter now. Storm, you know, she had such a great year last year. In the second half of the year, she won the mixed doubles at the US Open with John Pierce. You know, she had a fantastic Billie Jean King Cup and she got married. You know, and, and, you know, just being around her and seeing her perform at such a high level and then, you know, personal life have, you know, such a wonderful event, um, you know, that's really rewarding. So, you know, I, I never want to lose that enjoyment of seeing our clients succeed. Building relationships is absolutely key. It's it's the all the, it's what the business is. Mm. I mean, it's you know the, the tour is um, you know you're you're in such close proximity to these people. Uh, the players play with the same people week in week out. So you know it's it's like a big family, and there's you know tiffs within families, and not all families get along. And there's the black sheep's the families and so forth. But it is a family. You've got to understand that you've got to um, do things the right way. Make sure you're always doing things with the highest highest ethics possible. Um, and then maintaining the good relationships because, you know, people's paths cross in different ways as well. You know, people play doubles together. They might change um, their clothing, racket brands, whatever it might be. So you're just making sure that you're, you know, make, keeping in touch and, and understanding that this, you're a good person to do business with. I think you sound like you have a very good future ahead and we shall meet in five years and we shall see how the business is going. I'm sure it's going to be thriving. Steve Boulders, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me.